6, verse 8 is where we'll start. Let's pray, and then we'll dig in. God, we come to you tonight, and I pray that your word would be good to us. I pray that you'd hide me behind the cross, that I would preach and teach in a way that brings glory to you. Let your Holy Spirit speak through me and to each one of our hearts tonight, God, that we would hear from you, that we would praise you, that we would recognize your greatness, dear Lord, that we would be those who are united in you and all that, that we have in our life, dear Lord, that it would be focused on you and you alone. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Psalm 86, verse 8. Lord, there is no one like you among the gods, and there are no works like yours. All the nations you have made will come and bow down before you, Lord, and will honor your name. For you are great and perform wonders. You alone are God. Think about that first part of that verse there. Lord, there is no one like you among the gods. There are many people throughout the history of the world that have worshipped a variety of gods. And many people today who still worship what they would call God, but as we see through the text, there is but one God. We see that throughout the Old Testament text. We see that sometimes these other nations call on their gods and to no avail because their gods do not exist. Their gods are made up. Oftentimes their gods are idols that are made with human hands, idols of wood and stone, idols that cannot hear, idols that cannot act, but yet these are the gods that many of the people in the Old Testament would pray to and call to. These are the same types of God that many in our world today would call to, yet there is one God, there is one God alone, and He far surpasses all the other so-called gods that there are in this world. When we look at the God of Scripture, we see a God who has spoken, and the world has come into existence. We see a God who has power over all the things of this world. We see a God who is able to heal sickness. We see a God who is able to overcome great enemies and great obstacles by His power as He's with His people and they overcome those who come against them. Time and time again, we see the power of our God. And He is a God who is more powerful than anything that there is and the author here of this psalm says, Lord, there is no one like you among the gods. So many times people serve gods that, that really don't have much power. Uh, serve gods that they think they have to do a certain thing and there's all these obstacles that they think they need to do and hoops they need to jump through and all these things they have to do to somehow somehow earn God's approval. But what we realize is we can never earn God's approval by our works, but we are forgiven of our sins, not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done. We don't receive God's grace because we, we deserve it. We receive it because it is just that. It is the grace of God. We serve a God who is far greater than us. We serve a God who is far greater than any of the so-called gods that people would worship in this world. And many of the gods that people worship in this world don't seem to have much power at all unless you get things just right. Think of those who believe in reincarnation. Oh, I've got to live my life just right or yet I may be punished by my God and I may have to come back as, as an animal or I may have to come back as something else and I continue to have to live until I get it right. 
That puts all the burden on us, but not so for our God. Not so for the God of Scripture. There's nothing we can get right, but Jesus has gotten everything right for us. So there's no amount of times that we could continue to live that we would ever do all that God has commanded or called us to. Now, I certainly don't believe in reincarnation, but if that were a fact, if, if reincarnation was a thing, I'd like to come back as one of Michelle's pets because they, they have got it made. If I could be one of Michelle's cats, I would, be, I would be set. But praise the Lord, we don't have to worry about that. Praise the Lord that the life that we live, as bad as it is, is not dependent on how good we can do. It's dependent on how good Jesus Christ has done. And what a powerful God. Our God is unlike any other God. How many other gods do you see that gave their only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in them shall not perish but have everlasting life? There are no other gods like this from the history of the world, from creation to the end of this world. There will never be another god like this. We have a God who took the form of flesh and who came and who was nailed to a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. The God of Scripture that is being talked about here is unlike any other God that has ever been or ever will be. There is no God like our God among the gods. There is no work like His. There is no one who can compare. Verse 11 Teach me your way, Yahweh. What a beautiful prayer. Really, we could just read that one little verse, and that would be sufficient for us to ponder on and think about today. Is that our prayer today? Teach me your way, God. Teach me your way. Do we want to know the ways of God? Do we really want to know the ways of God? Or are we content with our ways? Because we live our life, and we, we have our ideas, and we have our ways, and we think, well, the way I'm doing things is pretty good. And maybe God's ways don't always look the best to us. And so, so maybe we don't pray for God to teach us His ways. But we need to. This needs to be our prayer tonight. This needs to be our prayer every day. God, teach me your ways. And really want to know. Like not just utter the words, but really want for God to teach us. There may be times that we, like say for instance... Uh, I want to play the guitar. For years, I pick it up, I put it down, and I say, boy, I, I want somebody to teach me how to play the guitar, but I really don't want to. I say that, but I really don't want to because I'm not committed to it. I don't put the time into it. I don't put the effort into it. I don't stick with it. I can say, teach me how to do it, but if I'm not willing to do what those who teach me tell me to do, then how far am I going to get? Not very far. And it's no different for us in our walk with the Lord. We may know God's Word, and we may know a little bit about what it says, but we need to say with our heart, God, teach me your way. God, I really want to learn it. I'm not just saying it. God, I want you to teach me, and I want to follow it. That's the hard part. Maybe that's why we don't pray that prayer enough. If we pray it at all. Maybe you pray it every day and you pray it from the heart. Praise the Lord. Maybe we don't say, God, teach me, because we're afraid what God's going to teach us. Maybe we don't want God to speak to us because we're afraid what God is going to say to us. Have you ever not asked for somebody's opinion because you're afraid they're going to say something you don't want to hear so you just don't ask? Well, perhaps that's sometimes the way it is for us with God. Maybe we don't want to read certain things in God's Word because we know what it says. But what we need to say is, okay, God... Your word may be hard. It may speak to me in ways that I don't like. It may teach me to do things that are difficult. But God, teach me your way because it is the way. God, teach me your way and I will live by your truth. That's what we have to be willing to do. We have to be willing to say that. Okay, God, when you teach me, 
what your word teaches me, what your spirit teaches me, God, what you call me to, God, I'm asking you to teach me. And when you teach me and when you tell me and when you show me and when you lead me, then, God, let me live by the truth that I receive. That's the hard part. Because sometimes the truth of God's word is tough. Sometimes what God teaches us that we know is truth is not easy. And so, therefore, we don't do it. He teaches us, we hear it, we know it's true, and we don't do what he teaches us to do. Why? Because sometimes the truth is hard. Here's a real simple example, and you guys will all get this. What does God's Word teach us about our enemies? God's Word teaches us to find your enemies and go at them with all your might and try to cheat them and steal them and do as much bad as you can to them. Oh, no, wait a minute. That's not what God's Word says to do to our enemies. That's what we want to do. We want to stick it to our enemies. We want to show our enemies who's boss. We want to overtake our enemies, and we want to make our enemies pay with all that's within us. But that's not what the Word of God teaches us. The Word of God teaches us to love our enemies and to pray for our enemies, and that is the truth. But that is a hard truth to live by, but yet it is the truth nonetheless. And so we want to come and we want to hear God's Word and we want God's Word to teach us, but we have to be ready when we read God's Word. If we say, okay, God, I'm reading your Word today. Okay, God, I'm praying to you today. I'm seeking you. God, teach me. God, speak to me. We've got to be ready when we do that for what God's Word may say. And sometimes what God's Word says, what is truth, is hard to live by. And so our prayer needs to be, God, teach me to live by your way and teach me to live in your truth God, I need help because it is hard. Some of the things that God's Word commands us to do are easy as they can be. There are some things you read in God's Word and you don't struggle with that at all, but there are other things in God's Word that we all struggle with. It's not all the same thing. Perhaps your struggle is different than the struggle of the person sitting next to you, but there are some parts of God's Word and we read them and we know they're truth, but they are really hard. But what does God calls us to? He calls us to live in the truth. So we need to pray. Hey, God, teach me your way, and God, help me to live in your truth. Because I want to, but God, it's hard. I struggle. So help us not to avoid those hard truths, but help us to seek God to live in those hard truths. Give me an undivided mind to fear your name. Now, when I read, when I read just this one verse, I was thinking, man, this is, this is good. This is a good verse. And maybe not for you, maybe just for me. But man, I think about that last line there. God, give me an undivided mind. Where is our mind at in the world today? Is our mind one in Christ? Is our mind focused on Christ in everything we do and every decision we make with how we live our life, with how we spend our money, with how we devote our time, with how we treat our people? Is everything that we do in our mind, is it focused solely and strictly on God and the Word of God and living by the commands of God, or do we have a mind that is divided? What does the writer here say? Give me an undivided mind. When I read that, it cut to the core, and it, it kind of shook me because the truth of the matter for me is, man, sometimes my mind is going 15 different directions. It is on this. It is on that. It is on the other. And some of those things are good, and some of those things don't amount to a hill of beans, but oftentimes there are so many things that, that compete for our attention and so many things that our mind is focused on, we're so divided that we're not focused on Jesus, that we're not focused on the Lord, that we're not focused on the Word of God. What does he say here? 
Give me an undivided mind. That is, God, unite me, some of your translations say. Give me a united mind, that our minds would be united in Christ, that we'd be one in Christ, that we would not be going in every di- uh, bunch of different directions as the wind blows and carry to and fro with our sins and our worries and our stresses and all the things of the world that pull us away from God, but that our mind is focused on one thing, and that is God, first and foremost, and let everything else fall by the wayside. Perhaps that needs to be our prayer tonight. Maybe not just me, maybe for some of you too. Maybe your mind is divided, is split, it's torn in a million different directions, and all of those may be trying to pull you away from the goodness of God, from the Word of God, from the mercy of God, from the teaching of God. Give me an undivided heart to fear your name. Wow, that's a, that's a pretty a pretty pretty crazy thing there. Give me an undivided, I said heart, give me an undivided mind to fear your name, to fear the word of God, for the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, the scripture tells us. And and sometimes we try to we try to soften that and say, oh well, when it says fear, it's a reverential fear and it's a respect and an honor. Certainly we do that to God. Certainly we we respect God and we honor God. But God is worthy of fear. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth whom one day all people will stand. We will stand before God in judgment. And even as I say those words, it is, it is heavy, it is scary to think about that. And so do we recognize who God is? Do we fear God? That's a healthy thing. Fear is a healthy thing. Fear will keep you from doing a lot of stuff that's not good for you. You ever get messed up and you and you get too close to a fire and you get burned? Guess what? Next time you get close to that fire, you're not going to get as close. You do something foolish, you get in trouble, whatever it may be. Well, if there's any wisdom in you, next time you're involved in whatever it is, you're going to stay back. Why? Because you fear what it is. Fear is not always a bad thing. Now, we see back when I was in high school, everybody, it was a big deal. You had to have your no fear t-shirt and your no fear bumper sticker. No fear, no fear. But fear is a good thing. Fear can keep us out of trouble. Fear can keep us on the straight and narrow. Fear can keep us on track. There was rare occasions as a child when I would do things I wasn't supposed to do and I'd get a whipping. And it did not take many whippings for my dad to say, hey, do we need to go in the back? Before I said, wait a minute, I better calm down. Why? There was a fear there. There was a fear there. I didn't walk around shaking in my boots all day, every day, because, oh, wait, what if today is the day I'm going to get a whipping? But I knew that fear was there. But I also knew that I had a loving father and a good father. It's no different for God. There's a real fear that should be there. And that's what the psalmist says here. When we recognize, whoa, God is God. Is God. That's a pretty big deal. And what does he say here? Give me an undivided mind to fear your name. We recognize who God is, the name of God, the greatness of God, and that that fear drives us to continue to be uh, live in obedience to God. Verse 12. I will praise you with all my heart, Lord my God, and will honor your name forever, for your faithful love for me is great, and you deliver my life from the depths of Sheol. Isn't that beautiful, verse 13? For your faithful love. It's a phenomenal thing that God is faithful to us, because the fact of the matter is, is that sometimes we are not faithful to God. 
There are some times that we choose our sin. There are some times that we know what God is teaching us to do, and we do not live by his truth. But oh, how beautiful God is that time and again through the pages of Scripture, you look at that Old Testament and you see time and time again that God's people were so pitiful, so evil, so nasty, so dirty, so sinful, so disobedient. And God would say, I'm done with them. And oh, how beautiful it is that Moses on occasion would intercede. God, don't do it. God, have mercy. And God would relent in that moment. Oh, what a beautiful thing it is that God is faithful to his people. For your faithful love for me is great. Maybe you need to hear that word tonight. Maybe tonight you need to be reminded that God loves you. That the faithful love of God for you is great. The faithful love of God for you is great. Sometimes we, we say, man, I don't know if God can love me because I can't love myself. Well, you might not can love yourself, but I'll tell you who can love you and who does love you, and it is God. It is a God whose faithful love for you is not just a little bit. He doesn't just give you a little bit of love. He gives you a lot of love. His faithful love is great. And you deliver my life from the depths of Sheol. Some of your translations probably say hell there, but Sheol is the, is the more accurate translation there. It means the grave. You deliver me from, from the grave. You deliver me from death. You deliver me from, from the worst of the worst. God, you deliver my life from the depths of Sheol, from the depths of the grave, from the depths of despair. And oh, what a beautiful thing it is that God is our deliverer. And the writer of this psalm acknowledges that. And I hope that we can acknowledge that in our life today. Can you say tonight, God, you are my deliverer. If you can't say that, I want to tell you how you can say that tonight. You can say that by putting your faith in Jesus Christ, by knowing the greatness of our God who gave his son. That if we would put our faith and trust in him and follow him and live by his commands then we would know and we could say without a shadow of a doubt, yes, I have experienced the faithful love of God through Jesus Christ and I have been delivered today. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for these good few verses that we have tonight. Let us, let us live by them, dear Lord. Let us recognize your greatness to know that you are greater than any God that there has ever been because God, there is no other God besides you. Dear Lord, there may be other people in this world that worship all kinds of variety of gods. Perhaps it's idols. Perhaps it's just made up gods in their mind, dear Lord. But I pray that if there are some that, that are listening to this tonight in this room or online, God, that they, would, that they would know, God, that you are God and you alone are God. You are greater than any other God that this world tries to put before us. God, I pray that you would help us tonight to seek your ways, that we would desire to be taught by you, and not just taught by you, but that we would listen to you, dear Lord. That we would listen to your truth. Maybe for some in this room tonight, there's some part of your words that's true. And it's hard truth. It's truth that we don't want to hear. It's truth that, that it's tough for us, dear Lord. But help us to wrestle with those truths tonight. Not give up on those truths. Not abandon those truths. But God, to wrestle with those truths that we struggle with, that you may help us to live by those truths, dear Lord. Help our minds not to be divided by the things of this world. But God, help our minds to be united and focused on you in all things. God, let us find your faithful love tonight. God, maybe there is one 
that does not know tonight that you love them. Maybe they question and they wonder and they're not sure. Maybe they came here tonight wondering, do you love them? God, I pray that through your word that they would know that you have great faithful love, that you are faithful when we are not, that you are so faithful to us, God, that you sent your only son knowing full well that we were sinners. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the deliverance that comes through him. And I pray that if there is one that does not know Jesus Christ today, that they would repent of their sins and put their faith in Jesus Christ tonight. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.